0: You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I was defending Steve Clifford.
2: (laughs) Steve Clifford, I think he did a great job. You sound just like that guy. It's Wes. He's going to ask you to come and do press conferences for him just behind a black curtain so he doesn't have to do it.
0: And Walker. I like Clifford, the the big red dog. It was my favorite childhood (laughs) book, getting in shenanigans. Uh, (laughs) I like dogs in general. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. That is a good book. One more hour to go on Weston Walker before we get you to Kyle Bailey, and then he gets you to the weekend. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Speaking of Kyle Bailey, join Kyle and Mac this Sunday morning at 11 as they bring you Countdown to Kickoff live from Twin Peaks in Concord. Stop by and get ready for the game and enjoy the very best in food and drink from our friends at Twin Peaks countdown to kickoff is brought to you by dry pro planet kia high performance real estate and the carolina men's clinic get yourself back in the game visit the carolina men's clinic and the carolina again should be a fun time with kickoff live from twin peaks and concord sunday morning at 11 a.m west college football also going to be in full effect this weekend should be a fun slate there
2: no doubt about it and the north carolina tar heels as we discussed earlier no tez Williams says Walker, but they will be playing the Appalachian State Mountaineers on Saturday, 5-15 on ACC Network. And to talk about that and more things, UNC, we have a UNC legend. And let me tell you, when I first started working at Mallard Creek and I was a teacher's Ooh. assistant and coaching uh, on the staff there. Mr.
0: Bryant scares me, just real quickly. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, the first thing that people told me was, hey, you got to come see this quarterback. That, that they have. You got to see them. You got to see him. So everybody's telling me this. So I go down to the first practice, and I see Marquise, who was a freshman at the time, throwing the football, and I see uh, the, the different things that he's bringing to the table. And I knew kind of immediately, I said, this young man is definitely going to be uh, a problem out here in these streets. And he dominated at Mallet <laughs> Creek. Went on to the University of North Carolina, where he did his thing there, established more than 20 UNC records, including career. Rushing touchdowns by a quarterback, 35 of those. Career rushing yards by a quarterback. Career total offense, over 10,000 of those. Was responsible for more touchdowns than any other player in school Get history. On. And only two players in ACC history <laughs> had more than he had. So, this is my young boy joining us on... The Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at 1MJWilliams2. Marquise Williams, welcome in to the show, my man. What's up, brother? How you doing? We're doing great, man. We're doing great. And so let me start off first talking about the whole uh, Tez Walker news. And I saw the tweet that you had on (laughs) your Twitter that I I won't read out. But for those who want to follow him, they can go check out what he had to say. How upset were you uh, about this situation with Tez Walker and how the NCAA treated this?
3: I feel like, man, that's that's just an unfair treatment. It's just so bad how they did this kid. His kid wanted to come back home and play. And you have people jumping in the portal every year, man, and getting the opportunity just to play. And this guy played one year at a school and transfer and, and don't get the opportunity to come play in front of his family. And main importantly, you know, his hometown, um, not just for like, you know, if Tez was somewhere else, you know, I still think he should be able to play. You know, if he was at Ohio state or if he was at a, Alabama or anything, the kids still should be able to play. I mean, kids are jumping in this portal. You guys, the NCAA started this. They should never let this go if it was going to be this way. And man, it, it it hurt a lot of us. You know, a lot of us as UNC alumni, football guys, man, it, it hurt us because he was a major impact to our to our team. Um, he was. I watched him in training camp um, this year. I mean, the dude was absolutely stud. And I thought it was going to be more like the Josh Downs week that we were going to have this year. And unfortunately, that was taken away by this ridiculous NCAA. And Man, yeah, it, it's it's ticked me off, but you know, as a team, we we'll have to move on, and you know, hopefully, he can be able to um, join the team next year and get the opportunity to showcase his talent. And I'm pretty sure he'll go into the draft. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know. My tweet says it all about
2: that that situation. <laughs> all right, Keith. So I know when you were at Carolina, the, the defenses there. They weren't the greatest either. And I know that that's been a, a tough issue for the Tar Heels uh, for mm-hmm. seasons upon seasons. And so you come out against South Carolina, 16 tackles for loss, nine sacks. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this defense is for real? And then also a sidebar, did you sit there and say, why couldn't you guys do that when I was at quarterback, especially against <laughs> Clemson in the ACC championship
3: game? No, man. You know, I I never. You know, I never think that about my boys. We we were actually pretty good. You know, we we made a lot. We made a huge jump from being like the 120 second. I don't think defense to maybe you know top 50 or something like that. My senior year, but man, to see those guys flying around, having fun, and buying into the program uh, last week was one of the best things in a long time. And I kind of described this that team as the 2015 team. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterback. Everybody talks about me, right? Everybody's talking about Drake. But nobody really talked about our defense. And those guys came out and made plays. Um, going into the 15th season, I was downfall in the quarterback. You know, we lost to South because I threw three inceptions. But our defense still hit, held South Carolina to what, made, uh, 15 points or whatever the score was. So, man, this teams remind me so much because there's so much – nobody's really talking about the defense, and the only thing they do is going to continue to get better. They're young. They're buying in. and I mean, who wouldn't want to play for Gene Chiswick? Man, I promise you that's one of the greatest guys on this earth, one of the greatest coaches to play for. You want to go through a wall for him, and I'll never forget when he came to Carolina in 2015, I immediately wanted to go through the walls or go through a bank or anything <laughs> for that man. That man is somebody that you want leading your program and somebody that – you're gonna lay it all out too. And man, those guys are buying into what he's doing there. And that's what they need, man. And I'm I man, I'm telling you, I knew the defense was gonna come out smoking this year. A lot of people's been doubting it. But I just knew something was telling me this team's gonna be very different. The defense is gonna be really
0: good. Well Marquise, you say that about Gene and why is that? Well, what is it about Gene Chiswick that makes you want to run through a brick wall?
3: Uh, well man, the way he he's a he's a player he's a player's coach for one. Um, he's going to shoot it to you straight. You always need that, you know. And he's been there. He's won a national championship. Um, he's um, I, I adore him because he was coaching Cam. I love Cam Newton. I was a big Cam Newton fan. Him, and he told me how Cam Newton, you know, did things around campus, what he was doing on and off the field and made me to be a ma- better person I was my, in 2015. But, man, he just has that leadership that everyone needs. I mean, if, it's like when he talks – Everybody listen. When he walks in the room, it's lighting up. It's just something about – it's just hard to describe what Gene Chizik really mean, man, if if you was never really around him. I mean, he's a a different cat. And, man, he's a family guy also. Um, I know he had to step away from us because he had some family problems. But, man, he came back, and I just love the dude, man. There's just so much I can say about him. I'm just glad he's back at UNC and doing the things he's doing for this defense. and man, they got, those guys going to change just to get better and better
0: and better and better. Very good performance that they had in the opener against South Carolina, no doubt about that. That's the voice of Marquise Williams, former UNC quarterback, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I also wanted to get to um, what you were discussing with your game against South Carolina in 2015, because mm-hmm. you're right, you did throw three interceptions, and then yep. you just rattled off a million wins in a row before you got to the Clemson in the <laughs> ACC championship game. That's a big-time bounce-back performance, Marquise. I mean, you guys were putting up Forty points, close to forty. If it wasn't quite there, you know what was that like? Getting over that loss to South Carolina and then rattling off enough wins to get to that ACC championship.
3: Well, the biggest thing was, man? I just went into that game trying to be somebody that's not. I'm not. Um, you know, I was hearing from scouts. Man, we want to see you stay in the pocket more and throw. But man, there were three times in the red zone, dude. There was the lanes was open up like like the blue seat. I could have just walked in there, you know. And I just tried to do too much that game. I didn't put it on depend on anybody else. I wanted to be flashy. Oh, I'm back in my hometown. This is my state. Let's go. We're back in Charlotte. Oh, I'm I'm about to go off. But instead I thought it was all about me and turned the ball over three times where I could have easily, you know, ran ran in for like three touchdowns and we beat South Carolina. But I think that game changed me throughout the rest of that season. I mean, I, like you say, we were smoking. We were we just we averaging 40, I feel like. Nobody could stop us. And I knew that I could not let that loss, you know, control the rest of the season. Dude, I did not sleep for that whole entire night. I probably didn't sleep for, like, the next week until we played. I forgot uh, A&T yeah. uh, when we bounced back. But, man, it was – it was heartbroken, dude, and I'm not going to tell you no story. I thought I was benched. I thought I was never going to be able to play again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: so, man, I, I mean, I put in the extra work. I studied film hard. I did everything I could to make sure that I was going to be ready for the rest of the season just to get these boys going and have a fun and make history at UNC.
2: Keys from a quarterback's perspective, when you look at Drake May last year through the first 10 games, he had 39 oh. TDR to three interceptions. And then the last four games, four touchdowns to four interceptions, a couple of rushing scores. What did you see that defenses maybe were doing to him that was different from the first 10 games as we saw a, a little bit of a, a big drop in those numbers as far as averages per game? And then what did you like that you saw from him in the first game against South Carolina?
3: I just, I just, uh, what I noticed first, you know, a lot of teams wasn't blitzing him that much. You know, a, lot of, a lot of people started to heat him up and try to get him uncomfortable. I mean, that's what you got to do. If you're going to play somebody like Drake, you have to make him uncomfortable. And you can't just let him sit back there. I mean, he'll torture you. So a lot of the team, defense started to blitz him. I watched the Georgia Tech game. I just, I know, I think the coach said they blitzed him like 65 to 70% of the time. Like, that's what you have to do if you want to be successful to beat a, a good quarterback. And, you know, he just kept getting on the route towards the end. Um, you know, and they take him off of one-two progression, and it's hard to get back to that three. And also, people started to, you know, kind of double Josh. You know, a lot of things was going through Josh and in the progression. And what I saw this game, you know, he managed the game well. You know, uh, there's a pick, you know, he probably won't back. We all we all want that one time. And then there's a tip ball that gets caught. But, man, he, he's, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a phenomenal football player. He's a great leader. I mean, I'll never forget when I was in. used to go up there and watch him, in practice, dude, and Coach Long was like, dude, this dude got so much energy. He just can't sit still in the meeting room. He's like, he just he just fired up, ready to go, ready to go, and man. We knew he was going to be special. Me and Sam talked about it every time I used to come watch practice in the spring, like how special this guy is, man. And he loves the game, and he takes out the Sam. Uh, Sam was a big guy that studies film 24-7. That's what Drake does, man. He, he's, he's unbelievable, man. I'm excited for him, and, you know, it's just, it's exciting to see three guys from the 704, you know, the Charlotte area, just doing what we do at University of North Carolina. And that should be something a lot of kids from that way should understand. Like, man, you don't got to go to the Bama's or the Michigan's or anywhere. You stay home, man. You you make this state about us because that's, that's what it's about. And we're going to take care of you, you know. And I love seeing guys, you know, stay home and, you know, going out and putting on for us at Chapel Hill.
2: Please, one more question based off what you just said. One thing I like to do with guys. Uh, let's play a little game right here. Let's go start bench cut with you, <laughs> Sam Howell, okay. and Drake May. Start bench cut. All
3: right. All right. Well, I'm going to go start Sam Howell. I'm a to bench uh, Drake May and I'm going to cut Marquis Lee.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what about – what if we just took your 2015 season? Because, I mean, Marquise, I'm still looking at this season – It was Uh pretty bananas, especially after South Carolina. I mean, you had a 148-yard rushing performance, over 100, just shy of 1,000. But if we Uh just dwindled it down to 2015, (laughs) Keith, are you putting yourself back on the team?
3: Yes, sir, man. I got to be the starter. There we go. All
0: right. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. I was trying to make it happen.
3: I got to be the starter, man. But, man, listen, those guys, man, those guys deserve it all. Uh, You know, when my time's up, my time is up. And those guys show me respect. You know, we talk about it make jokes about it. But, man, those – Those guys put up some phenomenal numbers. They did some great things, man. I know I did a great thing, too, but, you know, it's over for it for me. (laughs) Cleats are hung up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No doubt about it. Well, that was Marquise Williams, former Mallet Creek legend, former North Carolina Tar Heels legend on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer, at 1MJWilliams2. Marquise, we'll catch up with you down the road, my man. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate
3: you guys' time. I hope you have a great weekend. No
0: doubt about it. You too. Cool stuff from Marquise Williams hopping on here, and you're right that 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 season alone. Uh, look, two two good years for Marquise. Yeah, 2015 year especially. That was yeah, a fantastic no doubt. And then in the season.
2: 2014 season, he set 18 UNC single season or career records, man. So this guy's definitely a very underrated. He would be. As far as ACC Digital Network is concerned, he would be considered an unsung hero
0: in my book. Well, look, we got to get to Stefania Bell. I don't want to waste too much time. But I will say, as Fiddy has tried to make North Carolina QBU a thing, if you were to argue that, it felt like Keese is the one that bridged that gap. Keese was trying to make that happen, and then Hal comes in, and then Drake May comes in, and then we'll see what happens after that. But yeah, like Keese, especially in 2015, was a very good year where you do come very close to winning that championship game.
2: No doubt about it. As Walker said, joining us next, Stephanie Bell, ESPN injury and fantasy analyst, joins us on Sports Radio
4: 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken.
0: It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, getting you ready for the Carolina Panthers kickoff against the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. We're all excited. Bryce Young, Bryce Bryce Baby, Bryce to the occasion. Bryce Age. Bryce Age. It's underway this weekend. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see what the headlines are going to be, hopefully with the Carolina Panthers win, but it should be a tough division matchup. I do want to talk about the season as a whole This upcoming season, what could it entail? With Stefania Bell now joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, ESPN Injury, and Fantasy Analyst. You can also catch her on Twitter at Stefania underscore ESPN. Stefania, thank you so much for the time. How are you?
5: Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm listening to those names, I'm stuck on Bryce
0: age. You like, like the Bryce one. age? like that, huh? <laughs> we, we have entered the Bryce age. We are all very excited. Everybody was uh, very much so um, on board with that pick at the number one overall selection, especially when we were doing some remotes out there. And that's exactly where I want to lead, uh, Stefania. I, everybody that was a little worried about Bryce Young being the top pick was that he was too short? Was that even if Kyler Murray is also a shorter QB that was selected a few years ago, he was stockier. Russell Wilson, a stockier QB. And Bryce Young is coming in, weighing at like, what, we were worried about 180? Shows up to the combine, even if he was close to 200. Oh, well, that's just him putting on weight. He's going to lose that as soon as he gets back to playing shape. Asking you, the injury analyst that you are, how worried are you about Bryce Young's size, how it translates to the NFL, and if he'll be able to last?
5: Uh, well, it's 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 always hard because we it, we've seen guys who are all different sizes uh, either struggle or have success. So I don't think there is enough data um, because the sample size on the slider quarterbacks is is relatively limited. I mean, you've named some names there, but uh, the guys who are run around the same height dimensions as Bryce Young tend to be a little bit. Um, stockier, if you will. And so I I think it's more perception chatter than actual data chatter. The the comp that came to mind for me more was Russell. I mean, not Russell Wilson, but Drew Brees, even though he has a couple inches on him, I think of him more in the same frame of as being a slider quarterback. Right. And not necessarily a guy that you expected to run a ton. So a pocket passer who, was relatively slight. Obviously, Drew Brees had the one major injury to his shoulder at the very early phase of his career to the point where nobody really wanted him to play. The Saints took a chance, and we all know what happened there. So I think one of the things, and Bryce Young is certainly aware of it, is you do have to avoid the pressure. You have to do everything you can to protect yourself. You have to be smart about not standing in too long and taking unnecessary hits. That's every quarterback, really. So I don't know that it changes that much for him, but maybe he's more alerted to it or aware of it because there's been so much talk about his size.
0: Well, and Stefania, let's say we put you a part of the front office with Carolina. You're you're somewhere on the staff, and you are giving your opinion on whether they should draft Bryce Young because we know the accuracy is there. We know that the pedigree is there based off what he was able to accomplish at Alabama. Would the size... Have been enough for for you to deter from uh drafting him and and decide to go with the c j Stroud or I, I know with some of those concerns that you share there's not enough data but based off the way that you were feeling about him coming into the nfl would any of those concerns been enough to uh, have you draft a different quarterback number one overall
5: no i i i don't i don't think so it wouldn't have that alone let's put it this way right. that alone would not have forced me in a different direction because again there's not Enough to say. I think it's a perception issue more than a reality issue. You cannot point to anything and say, well, he is going to be more inclined to be hurt because of this. You know, you you could make an argument um, that some of the bigger guys who are more like tree trunks are more at risk of knee injuries in the pocket because they're taller. The way they're going to get hit by the lineman is going to be more likely to put them at risk for a catastrophic knee injury, or that uh, they're going to fall harder than a slighter, uh, less stocky build of a quarterback. You you can make the argument either way, and without good evidence to support the case one way or another, I'd be hard-pressed to say this is a reason we should pivot.
2: Stefania Bell joins us on the Body Works Plus guest line. You can follow her at Stefania underscore ESPN. And Stefania, we talked about your comments earlier this offseason about Miles Sanders when Carolina brought him in, and we know for a rookie quarterback there are a lot of factors to help them feel more comfortable. But what do you feel uh, about Miles Sanders coming into week one? Is he the guy that's going to be the most important to Bryce Young and his comfort on Sunday if he can establish some type of ground attack?
5: Well, I certainly think so. I mean, you know, he's the veteran. He's obviously a talent. It's interesting. I think the biggest question comes from the fact that he came from uh, a team where there was certainly a committee approach to the running backs. And the question is, how does Miles Sanders hold up to the volume? And then when you hear about the hint of a groin injury, um, In the summer, and you worry, does that portend for things to come? Is this going to end up being a problem if he sees substantially increased volume? Um, Obviously, it sounds like he's healthy now, and we're not worried about him going into week one. But the question is more, is he able to hold up to the demands that you expect are going to be placed on him? This is an opportunity for him to showcase the fact that he's been a better pass catcher of late, I think he can do a lot of things to help Bryce Young out. Like you said, they can establish a ground game. It opens up more opportunities. Obviously, you guys have some uh, injuries in in the wide receiver position. So I think it's important that Miles Sanders gets off to a good start. And I don't see any reason why he won't. We just don't know that he's been tested in the way that he'll be utilized in Carolina. And
2: then uh, branching off of that, when when you talk about the different injuries and certainly something we don't hope to see, but you bring in Adam Thielen to be your number one wide receiver. And it looks like uh, during this preseason, they've established a great connection. But with his advanced age in that position, how worried should Panthers fans be about Thielen being able to uh, get through this season relatively healthy?
5: I love I this is always my favorite part is when we talk about advanced age and a guy's thirty three years old, it makes me <laughs> it <Right. scares> me <laughs> But you're right. For for wide receiver age, although you know, wide receivers tend to hit their prime later than some other positions like running back, for example, they certainly have more longevity in the league. There's no doubt that you start getting concerned about the ultimate wear and tear. I mean, Adam Thielen's been playing professional football since the year 2014. And if you look at his durability record, it was solid. The first five years that he played, he played all 16 games. Of course, that's when there were only 16 games. But then you saw some of the injury things start to catch up. He has had some lower extremity injuries in the last couple of years, although he did manage to play all 17 games last year. And now we know he's dealing with an ankle issue. I, You, you just do worry that guys start to break down a little bit more. That's naturally a risk that comes with a more veteran receiver. The hope is that The balance is that for the most part as a pedigree whose injury history is pretty solid and that the player knows how to take care of themselves a little bit better by the time they get to this stage of their career.
0: ESPN injury and fantasy analyst Stefania Bell joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. All right, I have another injury question for you here about J.C. Horn, because with Bryce Young, we're talking about how do we prevent it. With J.C. Horn, it's the same thing, but we do have some evidence with his two-year career so far here. Stefania missed a lot of games his rookie season, had the fractured foot last year had the chest the rib sprain he had the wrist injury had a successful surgery which is always great when it's successful but had the wrist surgery there as well I, I, what is uh what is the risk of re-injury for jc horn after having two seasons in a row now where you've had different injuries that he suffered
5: right and let's not forget in the off season he had an ankle injury that, right, he, right. that occurred when he was working out and even though he's in good shape now and for non-issue it was something that put him in a walking boot for a couple of weeks. And I think it's, I'm not worried necessarily about these individual injuries that you referenced being a problem again, but it's more about the collection. As you point out in the last couple of years, he's had a variety of ailments that have cost him a substantial amount of missed time for his relatively young career in the league. And you can't escape that. So if you're, if you're putting him up against other players, he certainly got an asterisk by his name because of that. Now, so we've seen players go on and go on to multiple seasons uh, of being able to stay on the field, you know, playing maybe all but one or two games, uh, but guys are going to get banged up. you expect them to miss one, two, three games perhaps, but we're talking about trying to avoid missing more than half the season like he did in his rookie year. And I, I think it's a legitimate concern that you raise. Like you, you, there's not something you can point to and say, Oh yeah, I'm worried about this coming back because the type of injuries he's had, he should be fully recovered from. And you're not worried about an aggravation of those or a recurrence of those. But the fact that he has been more vulnerable to injury in general that does raise a
0: concern well and, and the guys make fun of me especially my producer always makes fun of me for constantly bringing up um your keenan allen reference a few years back that stuck with me <laughs> is there an unlucky uh-huh. is he unlucky or is uh-huh. he unhealthy right like there is a difference and so i, I it's nice to hear that hopefully jc horn can get back from those injuries but yeah it's been a concern for the first two seasons and, and stefania we've also talked in the past about how the previous coaching regime under matt rule would handle injuries we look at christian mccaffrey mm-hmm for some reason McCaffrey would be out there and we'd all kind of put our hands in the air and, and you know, let, let's get this guy healthy before we put him out there in a week five matchup. That doesn't necessarily matter. I, I want to know how Reich and his staff have handled injuries in your opinion with the Colts in the past compared to what ruled and maybe even previous regimes did here in Carolina.
5: Yeah, you know, I think um, f- from what I've observed in the past, you know, most recently with the Colts where Frank Reich was, I think, you know, there's a, a Certain healthy respect for you know players who have injuries and and deferring to the medical staff as appropriate for when those players are to return. Um, look, we saw they had one of the the biggest injury situations there recently with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we know that they dealt with a number of injuries on the on the on the front line in in Indianapolis, and I think that uh, the main thing for me is when I'm looking at staff and injury management, just sort of globally versus single player is that you feel like the coaches are really completely uh, divorced from it in the sense of they defer to the medical staff, they're making the decisions and the coach is like, just let me know who's available without trying to influence it one way or the other. I think the challenge, and we may have talked about this before and that rule came from college and when, when you're a coach in college, those lines are a little bit blurrier. And we see that there's a lot of conversation between what's happening uh, with the players and their medical. And, and it takes, um, you know, I, I like to think that most coaches respect what's coming from the medical staff and are not leaning on the players to get back. And there is some pressure the players put on themselves in the NCAA as well because they're trying to get playing time if they have um, draft goals because they know that time they miss might hurt their career opportunities. Whereas once you're in the NFL, that's a different equation. and uh, guys tend to want to take care of themselves. So when they return, they can perform at a hundred percent. So some of that comes from the players as well. But I do think when you see coaches come from college immediately to the NFL environment, uh, there's sometimes frustration and if those things are conveyed even in subtle ways to the players and there starts becoming a pressure for the player to feel like they need to get back it can be problematic it's hard to recover in season from some of these injuries and be able to perform at your full potential and and like you said we talked about McCaffrey and the volume that our demands that were placed on him at times where it felt like that shouldn't be the case so soon I think it's I think it's part of the reason at least. It's at least contributed to why it was tough for him to get healthy while he was still there.
2: And that's the fine yeah, last thing, we know that you are a part of part of ESPN's fantasy football coverage and a lot of drafts are done now so I was going to ask you did the Panthers uh, have or what is their most draftable player but I guess since a lot of drafts have happened I would ask you going into week one are there any good sleeper plays coming off of this Carolina roster uh, that people might be able to have some success with?
5: Right. Well, you, you know, we talked about the obvious to start. And I think, you know, Miles Sanders is certainly the player that most people, if I was surveying drafts, I would bet you that he was the most drafted, uh, you know, player for fantasy teams, probably as a, a second running back would be about where he would fall kind of a lower end RB two, And that, that could change um certainly depend as, as we see how he's deployed in this offense. But, The one for this week specifically that we're talking about, you know, a little bit of a sleeper, a little dart throw, might be Jonathan Mingo because DJ Shark's going to be out. We already know that. Adam Thielen, don't know how healthy the ankle is. Sounds like Thielen is going to try to play, but we we don't know that for sure yet. Um, And so maybe Jonathan Mingo is somebody to look at. If you're looking for a flex option in your fantasy lineup this week, I could see a fair number of targets coming his way.
0: That is the voice of Stefania Bell helping us out with some Carolina Panthers injuries. Hopefully, there's not going to be many more going on in the upcoming season, but we know how the sport works out. Stefania Bell, ESPN injury and fantasy analyst. I have been consuming all of the content from the podcast she appears on, Fantasy Focus Pod, anywhere you get your pods, a part of ESPN. Stefania, thank you so much uh, for the time. We always appreciate it.
5: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. That was great stuff. That was good stuff yeah, to help us out about Bryce Young. I like the point she made about taller QBs. That's something not a lot of people talked about. Like, wait, okay, sure, there's a happy medium to be had here. But if you're discussing some of the the tree trunk QBs that also are like six six, but also, you know, the, so a defensive lineman falls down in the pocket, and then hits the knee, goes low, there's a literal penalty for that reason to keep the QB as safe as possible, then maybe you could argue that those guys are just as vulnerable to injury as the shorter Bryce Young where he's a little bit lower to the ground. So, not going to be as much area to hit right there. There you go. That's, I like That's it.
2: something good right there. Nice little glass half full approach.
0: The other thing, too, is, is with J.C. Horn, that was an, another takeaway. There, there was a lot. Also, the coaching regime. Yeah, I've always... <laughs> It's it's a lot to go after Matt Rule saying he's the reason anybody got injured, because that's not true. That's not true. But there are ways to help people that are injured, like a Christian McCaffrey. And it's always rubbed me the wrong way how he talks about injuries, how guys are tough and they come back from it and some guys just can't play through it. And you're dealing with people's money. Yeah, no cool. I, I don't want people to get hurt and miss out on future games because they were showing how tough they were to you and got out there for practice. And it just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Hopefully JC Horn can stay out there. And some of these other guys, Adam Thielen can get right. Same thing with DJ Chark already out for week one, but hopefully he can come back as soon as possible. Let's go to the last Fitty flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty?
1: All of our eyes will be focused on football this weekend and rightfully so with the NFL getting underway. Some great tennis will take place at the U.S. Open. Also, some big important series on the Diamond. The Diamondbacks and the Cubs start a three-game set today in Chicago. The Yankees who have put themselves back in the playoff hunt, they host the Brewers. Over the weekend at the Bronx, the Orioles are in Boston for a massive three-game series. The Padres go to Houston. Uh, Houston is starting to emerge as maybe the team to beat in the AL West. And then uh, the Mets, not a playoff team of sorts, but Kodai Senga on the mound tonight. Uh, as they are in Minnesota. The Twins have separated themselves as a team to be in the AL Central, so football-focused, but baseball, we're in the last month of the regular season. Some great series as we get closer and closer to October.
0: How many games are left in the season? Uh, About 212. Okay, 212 games. We're almost there (laughs) in the last quarter of the season for the Major Leagues. The last thing I'll say is I saw somebody put out a graphic making fun of some of the Major League Baseball teams out there. (laughs) Yes, it included the Chicago White Sox. In one group, there were about 30 teams, and the question was, have you won a game this month? The one group said yes, of course. How in the world would you not win a game already this month? And then in another group, there were the Chicago White Sox saying no, we haven't won yet. Not this month, so... White Sox Walker, he's not here, folks. I want to come back. I want him to make an appearance, but it's been a while. We all want that. The world is better. It's it's been it's been a while since White Sox Walker has been back in the consciousness. Let's go to the last segment of the day, the week that was, the walk off. So many W's. Let's get to it. Last segment. Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNC.
4: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
0: Baseball season is over. Have we
1: always done this or is this it- is what when when <laughs> when the World Series comes to an end, Timmy Trumpet. <laughs>
0: You're about to say stops doing something, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> How do I- I'm a little scared because I know exactly <laughs> what you were about to say and that you couldn't get it out. You stopped yourself before actually saying it on the mic. You're such a problem. You are such a problem. I didn't say it, though. You stopped. We were all waiting, all right? What's he going to say? And then I was like, wait, hold on. Actually, never mind. Don't say it.
1: The thing is, like, I can say it, but I chose not to right. at the expense of making you uncomfortable.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's go to the week that was.
1: Man. So, short week, because, you know, we had Monday all for the holiday – But I feel like the short week maybe brought out the best in us. You know, you got complimented in the last segment. You were on your A game. Ask us to do
0: less work. We'll always (laughs) deliver.
1: And uh, this was on Tuesday. End of the show. You were reading comments that Mitch Kupchak made at a Hornets presser as they reintroduced P.J. Washington. And maybe people get tired of hearing your Mitch Kupchak voice. I do not. And this one, it was pretty good.
0: I was talking with your agents. seemed like you didn't want to stay in Charlotte. Um, thought we would be Charlotte with you here. Now, speaking of lights, can we turn it up, Mike? you mind if we turn the lights up? Oh, I'm sorry. What were you guys saying?
2: Oh, okay. I don't know like the payroll. You sound just like... <laughs> okay. Go.
0: Wes has to end each <laughs> Mitch impression with it that. It does, man. It's impressive. Oh, I, mean, I appreciate it.
1: The, the, we do have to ask, like... Do you talk like this on the Locked on Hornets pod? Do you talk like this to to your girlfriend? Because it's, it's pretty on point.
0: Okay. No, I do not talk like that to my girlfriend. I don't know why I would bring. Mitch well, yeah, Kupchak. Yeah, Whenever
1: you're watching a Hornet game and they're talking about Mitch Kupchak, you know, you don't ever like, you know, impersonate him just outside of the stoop.
0: I think she'd be scared. And the other for Lockdown Hornets, Doug is the impression guy. I think, I think he would feel stepped on if I tried to do the Mitch Kupchak. We have our roles <laughs> on Lockdown Hornets, and Doug is the crazy one, not me. Believe it or not. What's the next one you got for us on the highlights?
1: All right. So, and I forget what in context this was in reference to, but you were talking about something that made you uneasy, and that led Wes to ask uh, an honest question, but one that came completely out of the blue.
0: (laughs) We were thinking it might get to 30, and that's where I got a little uneasy. So, right, like, Fitty is on one end. Did you need some Tums? (laughs) (laughs) Did you got a little uneasy? Yeah. This whole, this whole situation, I got some in my backpack, actually. I might take some out. I, I put it in my backpack because I wanted to know how this Burns negotiation was going to make me feel.
1: Such a dad question out of Wes.
0: He, he has the dad moments every once in a while. He'll say, hey, Fitty, do you, have, do you need some goodies powder? And then he will go to the depths of his cubicle back into a space that I've never even experienced before. I've not seen <laughs> Wes's office, but whatever it is, he comes back like Mary Poppins and and brings you a whole bunch of medicine that you can try out, whether it's goodies powder. Yeah, I go to the office manager's room. Not okay. My,
2: not my personal, but I sometimes stash things that I get from her place mm-hmm. in my desk.
0: And then I always I like Dad West because there's one thing he says that it, with the different kind of inflection, gotta take care of the baby. That's right. <laughs> West always gotta take care of the baby. Yeah, man. I like Dad no West. that. Uh, I'm not gonna be calling you Daddy like Fitty likes to do every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, yeah. But I do I like Dad. That. Add West? No, I don't think calling anybody like does. One person calling me that. I <laughs> can
1: ask
0: who it is. <laughs> I could go a ride a big way. right last highlight. What you got for us, Fiddy?
1: All right. So lastly, this was in the live wire. I think it was on Wednesday. We played the interaction with Riley Leonard that that kind of took made him viral. And Wes was describing the scene in Durham after the upset, and I dropped a one liner that accurately describes Durham not to. I love that Riley
0: Leonard is celebrating, you know, high school football style. Yeah, we're going to cook out and yeah. hanging out on the tailgate.
2: <laughs> it was pretty quiet because we went out, we got something to eat after the game and I mean, it was, this was not just football town USA. where It was just jumping. It was pretty desolate.
1: Dr. I mean, you were in hell.
2: Wow. Wallace <laughs> Wade.
1: <laughs> Yeah, we got you. We don't use look. <laughs> for those
0: that couldn't see, Fiddy was waiting for Wes to give a reaction, and all Wes did was just look at the microphone. Was, give, me, give me something, Wes. <laughs> Fiddy was staring a hole into Wes, wanting some kind of acknowledgement for saying, hey, do you get it? Elbow bump. I definitely <laughs> did catch it. It was, it, it was pretty funny, Blue but I guess Devils. he couldn't see it. I hate that place. Now you're getting it. All right. That'll do it for the week that was. We still have pick em to get through. Yeah. All of us finishing last weekend at three and one. Fiddy and I got the Florida State game right, but Fiddy and I also got the Duke and Clemson game wrong. Wes had been telling us all offseason, despite him pounding the table for the Blue Devils, we would not listen, and that's how we're all at 3-1, but you did choose LSU. So let's start here. Let's go with the college slate first and then end with the Panthers and the Falcons. So Notre Dame at NC State. Wes, who wins this game?
2: Uh, I've got Notre Dame taking that one. I feel like just too much offense for NC State. That Notre Dame defense only giving up six points in their first two games. I know the opponents weren't fantastic, but Notre Dame's got a good defense.
1: You know, if this, if, if Notre Dame wouldn't have played in week zero, I think I would pick NC State to, to pull the upset. But I think that week zero game, Notre Dame knows more about who they are then the Wolfpack, do Give me the Irish in a close one in Raleigh. I have an ACC upset over and uh, Notre Dame at some point this season, but
0: that's not this weekend. That's when Wake Forest takes on the fighting Irish. I do have Notre Dame, even if it is on the road. I do have the Irish taking this one, so it's a clean sweep. All of us are picking Notre Dame. Next one, App State at North Carolina. Just let me ask this for the sake of time. Does anybody here have App State beating North Carolina? I do not. I don't think so. How close does it get, Fiddy?
1: I picked them on the podcast. I picked Carolina 38-17 tomorrow afternoon in Keenan.
0: We all have North Carolina winning. No problems there. So two clean sweeps. Texas at Alabama. Big time matchup. You could say it's the biggest matchup this weekend. Some might say it's Colorado-Nebraska. Who knows? Alabama hosting Texas west of steve sarkeesian become one of the few uh uh former staffers of nick saban that is able to beat him once he goes on to coach for a different program
2: uh no i think alabama gets it done at home i think milro will struggle a little bit in this game but i still think bam at home hard to beat man hard to beat in
1: tuscaloosa you agree Fitty? Call me a coward. Say that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I think Steve Sarkeesian, they were close last year. I think Ewers is a better quarterback than Jalen Milrow. I think that game comes down to which quarterback makes a player too late. Give me the Longhorns on the road to pull the upset over the Crimson Tide. How does that make you a coward? Well, because, I mean, everyone, Texas is back, blah, blah, blah. I've been kind of quiet of my belief in Texas being back. I think they show out in a big way tomorrow night. You say
0: that in a way of shame, like you're. I've been I've been hiding this for a while, but guys, huh. it's time to admit. Well, because I've, I believe I've, in Texas.
1: I've I've believed like 17 different times that, the, that that Texas football was back.
0: Um, I think Fitty is the one that is going to be wrong here. I'm going to go with Alabama as well. I am not going to pick against the Crimson Tide. Charlotte at Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> I ask the people. If they wanted me me to be Homer Walker or if they wanted me to be realistic. I was realistic Walker for the Carolina Panthers. I'm doing it, folks. Let's I'm go. It. Come, Biff on. Come on. Stogies with Pogey. Come on. They beat Maryland. Biff Pogey is familiar with the area. He's taken some talent out of that state. Charlotte gets it done. Massive upset. They beat the Terrapins. Charlotte moves to 2-0. and Book it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for them to pull off the upset. I go uh, with Charlotte. Uh, yeah, I, I hate to,
2: uh, you know, spoil your parade there. I, I want the 49ers to go up there and have a great showing, but I'm going to go with the Maryland uh, Terrapins, Mike Loxley, and the crew to get the job
0: done.
1: All right, are you going to be a coward again, Fitty? No, nah, Maryland wins, but Charlotte covers. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah okay, I can get on board with that. That's yeah. fine. That's probably all I can ask for. All right, final one: Carolina Panthers against the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta hosting. Who do you have here, West? I said West. Who do you have here, West?
2: Uh, I'm going with the uh, Atlanta Falcons. What kind of score? Um, hmm. Okay, I go Atlanta 27, Carolina 20.
0: Where are you going here, Fiddy? We did not get your prediction earlier in the show.
1: We did not when y'all made y'all's official 2023 predictions. I think it's a tight game in the fourth quarter. I trust, even though Bryce Young is a rookie and Desmond Ritter is not. I trust Bryce Young more. Give me Carolina on the road. 21 17 on the way to a 10 7 regular season and a return to the playoffs. All right. So, what was your final score,
0: Wes? Did you see? 27 20. Okay. So, for me, I. Oh, okay. You got a whole touchdown there. I'm going to go 24 21. I think the Falcons win. I hate to do it. I got them bouncing back, folks. I'm sorry. I'm going to go the realistic route here. I went Homer route, picking the Niners over Maryland, but I'm going to go realistic route here. I think it's going to be a great game, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're talking about a Carolina Panther victory on Monday. That'll do it for Wes and Walter. Once again, it's on. Have a great weekend, and do it while enjoying Kyle Bailey and Smoke Ludwig coming up right now. Sports Radio, 92.7 (laughs) WFNZ. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.